I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you've ever considered planting a church, leading in the ministry full or part-time, then you need to read my book, How to Plant and Grow a Church. This book is a complete manual for small church growth. And in this episode, I read through the introduction and chapter one and talk about the motivation to plant or lead a church. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. It's mid-December 2022, and I hope you're enjoying all the banquets, the parties, events that characterize Christmas. Here's what's been going on with me and Pam. Pam and I went up and appointed Brian and Abby Mackey as an evangelist and women's ministry leader in Flagstaff, Arizona, just about a week ago. They've done a great job getting that church off the ground and have grown it from around eight disciples to around 45 in a little over a year. I hope to interview them and talk about their journey on an upcoming episode. I'm also looking forward to the CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference November 30th of 2023. That's about a year away. And I'd like to ask you to please make plans to go save the date, very end of November, Put it in your budget, put it in your schedule, and make plans to be at the CLIMB conference in Dallas, Texas next November. I'm also looking for a replacement couple for Kevin and Erica Liu on the campus at the University of Arizona. They leave in September 2023 to go to the Revive Eastern Europe program. And so if you're interested in becoming a church planter, an evangelist, or women's leader in the future, I'd like to ask you to email me. And let's talk about our ministry incubator program. I'm looking for someone starting in January of this next year who wants to start on campus and then in time lead their own church. The unique aspect of this program is that you'll have someone to walk with. This last semester, I spent four days a week on campus with Kevin and Erica, with Felipe Marias and Ed Mejia, with the students that were on campus, and I walked with them. I met someone personally, I studied the Bible with them and baptized them a couple weeks ago. So if you're looking for spiritual training or know of someone who is, and you're looking for someone to walk with you, this might be an incredible situation for you. So please email me at rob at robskinner.com. This is a paid position. So I'm looking for singles. I'm also looking for a couple that could come. And again, I'm looking for someone probably as soon as January, because that way Kevin and Erica can be there, I'll be there, and there'll be an overlap. And so in September, you would take over leading the campus ministry at the University of Arizona. I'm also looking for adults who would like to lead a small church in a suburban setting. I'm praying to plant churches around the Tucson metropolitan area, and I'm looking for a married couple with kids, empty nesters, or retirees 
who'd be interested in joining a mission team or leading a small church in the Tucson metro area. So please email me at rob at robskinner.com. So if you're thinking about retiring or if you'd like to live in a cheaper place, Tucson's an amazing, amazing area of about 1.3 million. The weather's incredible. I think you'd really enjoy it. Now I'm going to get into my book. I've been thinking a lot about this. This is I was sitting down having a quiet time today and just thanking God for the incredible blessings this past year. A couple amazing things. Just just had prayed that to meet someone who's open to study the Bible and baptize them, and that happened. You know, it's my dream to multiply leaders to so to a point. Brian and Abby Mackey, that's just absolutely on my dream list. And it made me think about mission plantings because a couple of years ago I went up to to Flagstaff and and there were there's a remnant, there's a few people hanging on, and they were just, you know, being faithful. And I told them, I said, listen, we're gonna get a church going up here. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be amazing through the power of God. And I went up there last weekend to see the church, and it's thriving. It's absolutely bumping. I mean, they're meeting in a new building. They're unified. They're baptizing. There's a ton of people studying the Bible. It's just a whole young crowd of people. I mean, it's so exciting. I mean, talk about a transformation in the past two years from really nothing much going on at all to just everyone's on fire. Everyone's just pumped up, excited. And it was thrilling to me because it reminded me of what really gets me pumped up, which is multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. And and it made me think, I really want to read my book, How to Plant and Grow a Church. And I've read my other book in earlier episodes on courage, but I thought, you know, I really want to read this book because it's such a great book for equipping people who are interested in doing ministry, whether that's paid or non-paid. And in this book, I talk about primarily my experience in planting a church self-supported in Ashland, Oregon, and the things that God's taught me and I've learned over my career in the ministry. And I've, I've done professional ministry, paid ministry, but I also spent eight years doing ministry self-supporting when I was selling real estate. And so I talk a lot about that. So look forward to getting into that today. How to Plant and Grow a Church, a Complete Manual for Small Church Growth by Rob Skinner. Dedication for Pam, who has been on every mission planting with me and who's made our life together an adventure. You were sent from heaven. Introduction. I remember the fear and excitement as we decided to plant a church in my hometown of Ashland, Oregon. We packed up the two U-Haul trucks and drove away towing two cars and carrying our three kids in a black lab. What in the world are you doing, Rob? I heard that voice in my head as we said goodbye to our friends in the comfortable church of 125 people we were leaving. I also heard another voice in my head, a voice that said, if you don't plant this church, no one else will. Who will save your family? How will they hear the gospel? That both settled my feelings and motivated me. I hit the gas pedal and pulled away from our familiar surroundings. Ever since I became a Christian at the age of 20 at UC Berkeley, I wanted to live a life like the Apostle Paul. I dreamed of living my life for God planting churches, and making a difference. Maybe I wasn't so excited about the beatings and the stoning, but the movement, the passion, the adventure fired up my young Christian spirit. I thought to myself, 
If God needed great leaders like Paul 2,000 years ago when the world population measured in the millions, how much more does he need leaders now when we're approaching 7 billion on the planet? That early passion has led my wife and me around the world planting churches in Egypt, Japan, Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, and now Tucson, Arizona, and Flagstaff, Arizona. There's nothing that can match the exhilaration of starting a church where there is none and seeing people persuaded to follow Jesus. The fear, the risk, the adventure, and the rewards are unmatched in this world. I'm writing this book to those who are considering planting or joining a new church planting anywhere in this world. The need is there. The opportunity is there. The only thing missing is the workers. I will share what I've learned over the past 26 years in leading and planting churches. The book will cover how to plant a church self-supporting or supported by other churches or backers. If you have a desire to make a massive difference with your life, to see the impact of your life multiply, I applaud you for your willingness to become a missionary. Too many Christians live in fear and settle for a comfortable existence rather than seeing their lives count by making disciples all over the world. Chapter 1. Why do you want to plant a church? It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Romans 15, verse 20. The most critical factor in successful church planting may well be the leader's ambition. Paul's motivation and passion pours out of the pages of his letters to the churches he planted. In the same way, your passion for planting a church has to border on obsession. Planting a new church is considered by many to be the most challenging job a person could choose. Peter Drucker, the organizational guru, shared this with a church planter in a personal interview. You know, Steve, over the years I've made a career out of studying the most challenging management roles out there. After all of that, I am now convinced the two most difficult jobs in the world are these. One, to be president of the United States, and two, to be the leader of a church like yours, where you start it, then lead it to serve others in greatness. There's no guarantee of success. Instead, you can expect persecution, financial challenges, and real-world problems that have to be overcome to establish a healthy church. In 2004, I had spent 10 years overseas doing missionary work in Japan with my family, and my mind turned to reaching my physical family with the gospel. My mom, who was nearing 80 at the time, had regularly called me when we lived overseas and said, when are you going to come home? And honey, there are plenty of sinners here in Oregon for you to save. Why do you need to be in Japan? I'm very close to my mom and physical family, and the desire to reach her and my brothers and sisters with the gospel weighed heavily on my mind. At the same time, the church I was leading was going through some challenges, and the larger church organization I'm a part of was going through some dramatic structural shifts. It was moving from a highly centralized leadership structure to a more fractured, autonomous one. In this, I saw a window of opportunity to strike out into this mission field without needing approval, funding, or support. At the same time, my hometown of Ashland, Oregon, is located exactly five hours between the nearest two sister churches of Sacramento, California, and Portland, Oregon. It's a small town of 20,000 people in a county of 200,000. 
based on the then current rate of churches being sent out, I didn't see any hope for it being planted in the next 10 or even 20 years. I knew in my gut that if my mom passed away without having access to a fired up group of disciples within easy driving distance, I'd regret it. I knew that I couldn't live with myself if I didn't give my family a chance to hear the gospel and respond to it. That's when I decided to go and plant a church there. That motivation carried me from that point to see a healthy church that averaged 80 people on Sundays, and when we left, we had a special anniversary service of over 150 people. This decision meant I would have to support myself, family, and the church startup through my own income. I didn't know at the time that I'd go through the worst recession in the post-war record and a real estate market that crashed after I got into real estate sales. In the bottom of the recession, we were forced to cash out our retirement savings to make it through that difficult time. However, when I look back on that time and remember the faces of those lives saved because of our decision, I don't regret our choice and would gladly do it again. I knew why I was there and was willing to pay the price. Your motivation for planting a church is critical to the success of your work. It can't merely be a job, hobby, or desire to preach that drives you. Instead, search your heart for a fire that burns within you like the prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You must know that if you don't do it, your life will not be the same. Godly compulsion and desire edging on obsession must be descriptive of your motivation. We can gain perspective by thinking of people with much lesser goals who found the will to press past unbelievable obstacles to attain a dream. In his book, Education of a Bodybuilder, Arnold Schwarzenegger shares about his motivation to pursue his dream to enter his first bodybuilding contest, the Junior Mr. Europe competition. At the time, Arnold had just been inducted in the Austrian army, was going through basic training. The only excuse his superiors would accept for leaving during this phase of training was the death of a parent. He writes, The Junior Mr. Europe meant so much to me that I didn't care what consequences I'd have to suffer. I crawled over the wall, taking only the clothes I was wearing. I had barely enough money to buy a third-class train ticket. I arrived a day later in Stuttgart. I had to borrow someone else's posing trunks, someone else's body oil. I wasn't sure how I'd done. Finally, the announcement came that I'd won. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Europe Jr. I borrowed money to travel back to the base, and they caught me as I was climbing over the wall. I sat in jail for seven days with only a blanket on a cold stone bench and almost no food. But I had my trophy, and I didn't care if they locked me up for a whole year. It had been worth it. <laughs> Paul also looked to the world around him to clarify his motivation in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Schwarzenegger's motivation drove him from that point to become a championship bodybuilder, actor, and eventually governor of California. That intensity for trophies that eventually fade or rust should make us question how much we're willing to sacrifice for a crown that will last forever. 
winning the eternal souls of men for God. Before you consider leading or going on a mission team, ask yourself, how deep is my motivation? Am I willing to pay the price for others to be saved? Is it worth all I have, all I own? Is reaching out to the lost a job for me or a burning passion that fires me up daily? Although these are questions every disciple should ask, for those who lead a planting, they are indispensable. Called by God Shortly after I got baptized, on April 4, 1986, while attending UC Berkeley, I went home on holiday to my hometown of Ashland, Oregon. Ashland is a beautiful small town in southern Oregon and home of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I went to the local traditional church the first Sunday I arrived. I stepped into the worship hall and sat down as 18 others sat down, scattered around the church. After the minister delivered a lesson and the people filed out, I walked away disheartened. I thought to myself, my family will never come to this church. It's too boring. The people were nice, but the experience left me longing for more. I thought to myself, there needs to be a fired up church here. Little did I know that my heart's desire would come to fruition 18 years later when God would call me to plant that church in my hometown. Acts 16, verse 6 through 10 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul felt called and compelled by God to go from Asia into Europe. As God continued to spread his word, a turning point occurred that would take the gospel around the world. Like Paul, you will need to feel and sense a calling from God. You may not experience a vision or audible voice from God, but you can still detect when God is calling you to a specific mission. How do you know if God's calling you? Well, you experience relentless compassion for the people God is calling you to reach. You sense the Spirit moving the idea front of mind repeatedly. You feel naturally moved emotionally as your idea becomes a conviction. You see how unexplained coincidences point you towards that mission field. Self-motivated leadership. Your motivation must come from God, working with your own, within your own heart and spirit to sustain the hard work and sacrifice required. If you feel driven to plant a church for reasons other than those that come from within, you will struggle. The nature of planting a church is so demanding that lesser motivations will be exposed and you will likely quit. Those drawn to church planting anticipate the freedom and independence that a new church demands. They look forward to fulfilling personal dreams. However, a church seed poisoned by impure motivation will bear meager or malformed fruit. As the writer warns in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here's some simple questions to weed out any roots of impure motivation. Are you running away? 
If you're starting a new church to get away from an undesirable church environment, you're headed for trouble. Instead of constructive dreams for the area, the church planner desires to be different from the quote-unquote nightmare or quote-unquote legalism he or she just left. Rather than considering how to build the church, they're trying to eliminate what they no longer want. Building from a negative blueprint like this is a recipe for dysfunction in a new church planting. The church builder has not healed from negative experiences and is chained to the fear of recreating the past. Symptoms include constant mention of the previous churches, former leaders, and their mistakes. Are you angry or resentful? Anyone who's been a member of a church for any length of time has most likely witnessed negative interactions within the church body. Instead of dealing directly with those who have offended you and pursuing reconciliation, you could choose to avoid the irritation, annoyance, or source of pain by going elsewhere or starting over. You may even attract others who feel the same way. Many quote-unquote church drifters gravitate to a new church with a new foundation. They believe the old people were the problem, and new people will fix it. When Pam and I planted a church in southern Oregon, we were desperate for new members. We were looking for anyone with a pulse who wanted to be part of our two-member church. We were delighted to get a call from a couple who said that they were planning on moving to the area. After initial positive entry into the church, this couple's true motivation came to the surface, fleeing another church due to ongoing bitterness and unresolved alcoholism. They soon left for yet another church. Have you counted the cost? Jesus counseled his listeners to estimate the cost of following him in Luke chapter 14, 25-33. Living as an authentic Christian in any church environment has its challenges. But planting a new church where there is none takes the difficulty to a level that's difficult to describe. If you've ever seen the opening scene in the movie Saving Private Ryan, you have an idea of what to expect. The movie recounts the June 6, 1944 storming of the beaches of Normandy during World War II. This D-Day scene is a physical counterpart to what you can expect spiritually as you storm the beach of your mission area. Satan has his defenses prepared. He is not going to allow you to retake territory he controls without counterattacking. When we planted a new church in Portland, Oregon in 1991, we got a call from one of the members a few days after we had arrived. Julie's gone. Julie, not her real name, had packed up her car and gone with us to get the church started. She never unpacked her vehicle. After a few days, she disappeared, going back to San Francisco from where we had launched. We never saw her again. In planting the church in Southern Oregon, we went through the Great Recession. I was selling real estate to support my family of five and the new church that I loved. To stay afloat financially, I cashed out the retirement account that my wife and I had saved for nearly 20 years in the ministry. What other obstacles will you possibly face? Financial challenges, a scarcity of workers and money, poor singing, people leaving, Criticism from those who initially supported you, family rejection, persecution, misunderstanding from your friends, non-existent children's ministry. Just as Jesus shared a war story in his discourse on counting the cost in Luke chapter 14, I share these stories to remind you to calculate the cost and make sure your motivation is unshakable. You will face the greatest joys 
and deepest sorrows as you pour yourself out for the dream of building a great church in the area you love. It is worth it. Making a church is an incredible way to live out your calling as a disciple of Jesus, but it will also require risk after risk. George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, counsels, you have to find something that you love enough to be able to take risks, jump over hurdles, and break through the brick walls that are always going to be placed in front of you. If you don't have that kind of feeling for what it is you are doing, you'll stop at the first giant hurdle. Church planting is a labor of love. Christ's love must compel you. The feeling you have for the people living in your mission field must drive you. The excitement you have for doing God's will must course through you. Love is the only force that will enable you to break through the many walls you will face. Questions to evaluate your motivation. What is driving you as a Christian and a leader? Is Christ's love first and foremost? Read 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15. How deep-seated is the dream you have for your mission? How often does it surface in your thoughts? If you planted a church and sacrificed your life savings in doing it, would that be okay with you? Imagine the worst-case scenario in planting the church. Would you still want to go? Are you motivated right now? Are you doing the work of ministry now that you plan on doing when you plant a church? Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask your help and support through one of the following. First, hit the subscribe button. Then post the episode and its link on your favorite social media site. Read my books. I'm going through How to Plant and Grow a Church, but you can find it on Amazon, along with my other book, Courage, How to Make This Life Count. And if you read it, please review it. Leave reviews on Amazon. It helps people to find the books. And finally, pray for me and for the church here in Tucson, because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.